Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Blog Talk Radio. Turning that soil, getting your fertilizer in there, 
getting that compost heap started, getting everything ready to roll. Have you gone out and marked off your plot of land, taking into consideration the amount of sunlight that you're going to get? We spoke about that, choosing a spot that has plenty of sunlight, at least six hours a day, not picking that spot at six o'clock in the morning when the shadows are going to be different than in the full sun of the day, having it accessible, easy to get to, having water there. Are you going to be working with an empty lot or are you turning over your a chunk of your lawn? All things that you needed to plan for. You need to plan for how much you're going to grow and what you're going to grow. And we're not in crunch time right now, so it's a good time to learn what you're going to be growing, how you're going to be growing it. You need to pick a suitable crop. But that crop that you're going to learn with right now may not be what you need when it comes time for the crunch. I recommend that you start with the easy things to get yourself involved in gardening, getting that soil turned over, getting it ready to go, picking the crops that you're going to grow in it. And those easy crops to grow are the ones that we start off with little kids playing with. Some crops you can plant early. Some need to be grown later. One of the crops that you can grow that's a sustenance kind of an item as opposed to a good-to-have, like tomatoes, is peas. Peas are the first crop that you put in in the spring. And you don't have to have real fertile soil. You don't fertilize peas because they make their own fertilizer. They draw their fertilizer out of the air in the form of nitrogen and actually put it into the soil. Peas grow pretty quick. You can plant them early when it's cool. They don't have to have a whole lot of sun. Sure helps if they do have it. And when you plant those peas, pick a spot in the garden that's going to reflect that they're fertilizing that garden for you and put a crop in behind them that'll be a heavy feeder. After you've harvested those peas, you can plant something else in that same spot something that will need that nitrogen that the peas put in. To help those peas put that in, put that nitrogen in the soil, they make something called an inoculant, a powder that you can roll the slightly dampened peas in before you plant them. And that just helps them put that nitrogen into the soil a little better. But you don't have to have it. You pick the spot for those peas, Go ahead and look at the package and take into consideration the spacing that it shows. Plant them at the distance apart that it says they need. And be ready to stake them up. You'll have to have something for them to grow up on. So when that crop of peas is done, you can plant another crop right behind them. I like to put winter squash in behind my peas because they like the nitrogen. And I grow them up the same trellis that I grow the peas on. But that's a choice that you'll have to make for yourself when you're selecting your crops to grow. 
Another good crop that you can play with that'll work early on as the soil gets a little bit warmer is radishes. And radishes are good because they grow fast. And you don't plant a whole row of radishes. You plant radishes and plan on harvesting them in about a month and to keep a continuous crop of them going on. You plant a little bit this week a little bit the following week, a little bit the week after that, a little bit the week after that. And as you harvest your radishes, you go ahead and plant behind them so you keep a continuous crop of them growing. And that's one of those things that you plan on when you're putting your garden out and deciding what to put in it, is what you can grow in the same place after you've already harvested what you put in. You'll want to set aside a nice sunny place to throw in those tomatoes. They're always good to have. They're good fresh. They're good green before they come ripe. And at the end of the year, the last ones that don't come ripe can be made to come ripe or they can be green too. So it's a versatile plant in that regard. You have to pick a nice spot for them and allow proper space. And they're a heavy feeder. And you're going to have to fertilize them. We recommend that you fertilize with compost. There's nothing absolutely wrong with going down to the garden store and buying a sack of factory fertilizer. But if you do it too long and too much of the wrong kind, you can ruin the soil in that spot or at least make it not as hospitable as it should be. Take that into consideration. If you've got plenty of compost to throw around those tomatoes, plant them in, put that compost around them in a nice ring a little ways off, and water them regular and make sure you water that compost into the soil. Won't hurt a bit to take a little four-pronged cultivator and dig some of that compost into the soil so it can decompose more and feed those plants faster. Another plant that a lot of people like to grow is beans. And beans are a good crop to grow. They're easy. There's varieties of beans that can grow in every climate that there is. Varieties that will mature in anybody's growing season. If you pick the right variety, there are beans that can be eaten fresh and beans that can be dried and stored. Some beans you can do both with. Look through those seed catalogs now before planting time. Pick out the varieties that you would like to try. Have a purpose in mind before you buy them so you know that you're looking for either a fresh bean, a dried bean, or a bean that you can do both with. And you succession plant those too because you don't want them all to come ripe at the same so you figure out how long it's going to take for them to come mature and have another crop planted that will be growing just about the time that first batch is exhausted. Some varieties of beans are very determinant. They'll grow on a bush and they'll all come ripe at the same time. Some varieties of beans are indeterminate, like tomatoes that sprawl all over, and you can plant them and harvest on them all season long, and then pull them at the end of the year and dry what's left. That's some of the choices that you have to look at getting. And you should grow foods 
crops that you are familiar with and that you like to eat. If you like green beans, string beans, then you need to plant beans that you'll like. Plant string beans and green beans that you like. If you like lima beans, plant lima beans. But don't plant something exotic that you're totally unwilling to try. Start off with something that you're familiar with and like to eat anyway. When you do that, then you're growing something that you want. You're more liable to get out there and do it, take care of it better. And it just makes a better crop for you. Now you can plant some items that are good for greens. People plant lettuce. They plant leaf lettuce. They plant head lettuce. And those are good things, but you can't store them. Those are the kind of things that you grow to eat. And you plant them in succession, so you keep a crop going the whole year long. And at the end of the year, you're going to have to put something in, keep your soil from going bad, blowing away, rotting and turning to crud over the wintertime. Or you can plant just a little bit and plant something else in behind them. Something else that you need to think about, because you want to use every square inch of that that garden that you worked so hard to build, you worked hard to turn that soil over and get that sod out of the way so that you had some soil to work with. You worked hard to make the compost and spread it around and till it in. You want to use every inch of that garden. You need to plan what's going to go in there. Don't be afraid to sit down and draw lines on a piece of paper and say, I'm going to devote this much of my garden to veggies, this much of my garden to potatoes, this much of my garden for tomatoes, this much for beans. Plan it out. Plan what's going to go in after the crop that you plant comes ripe. Be ready to take care of it. And by the way, if you have a favorite that you like to throw in, you can dial in at 347-308-8790, and I'll answer the phone. We'll see what you like to plant. Now, I like to grow things that last a long time. I don't just grow for something to eat as soon as I pick it. Something that I can store, something that's good that will carry me over winter. And if you're planning in a survival situation when things are hard to get, you're going to want to look at planting those kind of crops, stuff that you can store and eat later. And you need to select those items and think about it when you get planting. I like potatoes, and potatoes are relatively easy to keep. So I grow a lot of potatoes. I like corn, some varieties of corn are easy to keep, easy to prepare, easy to store. And if you like corn, you're going to have to look at growing those varieties of corn. Uh, personally, most of the corn that I grow, I grow it so I can turn it into cornmeal because I don't really care for fresh corn a lot. So I grow corn that I can turn into cornmeal. Generally isn't your ordinary sweet corn. But you'll have to pick and choose those for yourself. You can pick a variety that will freeze well if you wish, or you can pick varieties that you can dry and put in a sack and 
hang up in a cool spot. I like to plant squash. We like winter squash. And winter squash will keep four or five or six months without refrigeration. So I always plan on having a crop of winter squash come ripe just at harvest time. At the end of the fall, I can put it away and put it in my root cellar and keep it over the winter. That means that I don't go out and plant that in March as soon as the last frost is gone. Plant it much later in the year. So I have to plan on what I'm going to place in that spot where I'm going to grow squash later. For me, it just happens that that's where I like to grow my lettuce. So I'll grow some lettuce and some radishes, and I'll put my squash in later on after I've had a couple of crops of lettuce and radishes pulled in already. Sometimes I'll plant a little Swiss chard there and eat that. That's a good one to put in early in the year when it's still cool. Sit down, draw out that garden, figure out what you want to grow, how you want to go about it. Look over those seed catalogs and see what kind of brags they have. We're going to have some folks on later on shows uh, that specialize in, in, in providing seeds for, for folks that are wanting to prepare, seeds that will store, which is a good thing, seeds that will breed true, what they call open pollinated varieties. And those are good to have around because I can collect the seed from them, plant them next year, and have some kind of assurance that I'm going to have the same crop come up. But I like to try some hybrid varieties of stuff too. There are plenty of them that are pretty good, and you can plant some of those. And uh, For a lot of people, it's easier to start off with the hybrid varieties until they get used to how to make a garden work. Because that garden is an integrated food-growing machine. <coughs> Excuse me, I don't have a cough button. It's a food-growing machine. It needs to be tuned up and maintained. Parts need to be replaced and repaired. Parts need to be adjusted. How do you water your garden? Do you have enough rain come around that you can just depend on Mother Nature? If you do, I'm sure happy for you because I can't depend on even a single drop throughout the year. If we get everything that God allowed us to have, I'm going to get nine inches of rain this year. And you can't grow much on nine inches of rain. So, I have to plan on how I'm going to water my garden. Some things I can flood. But to do that, I have to have a slope in the garden so the water will run downhill and get to all of those crops. Some things I grow with a drip irrigation system, and I have to have pressurized water to do that. And I've got a plan for that, too. But I have to work on a plan that will work when the power is out. And another thing to take into consideration when I'm setting that garden up, which parts are going to get the drip irrigation, how am I going to support that drip irrigation? And which parts are going to be flooded? And how will I support that? All part of that plan and that layout. I like to pick varieties of uh, plants that are going to survive well in my temperature here. Because I get it 70 or 80 days a year here where the temperature is over 100 degrees. 
and I have to plan accordingly so that they can be watered and watered regularly. And going out there and watering them once a week and walking away will ruin a garden. Best way I know to explode a tomato. Drown the daylights out of it today, tomorrow, <laughs> don't water it. They need steady water all the time. Otherwise, they'll grow in big spurts, and they'll grow so fast, they'll bust the skins. And that's how you get some of them ugly-looking tomatoes with those splits up at the top on the end where the leaf is. As you watered them too much and not frequently enough, and they outgrew their skin and just busted open. If you have a favorite variety that you like to plant, I suggest that you dial in at 347-308-8790, and we'll put you on, and you can tell us what you like to grow in your garden. I actually have somebody that's trying to call in on my line while I'm here, and they're going to have to put up with the old busy signal. After you've gotten out that piece of paper and a pencil and your ruler and started drawing lines, seeing what part of the gardens are sunny, what's shady, what kind of slope you have to it, what you can plan on it, how you're going to water it, what method you're going to use to water it, pencil that all in. Draw out the spots where you want to grow those crops. Make a note of when they should go into the ground. Some crops can be planted before the first, before the last frost, like those peas and the chard. Some of them can't be planted until it's much warmer. And you can go ahead and look at that seed pack and get a generic idea. They have something called the USDA zone method, predicts when the last frost and the first frost of the year will be. And those are relatively accurate. I say relatively because... If you're on the north side of a hill, your last frost is going to be much later in the year than the guy on the south side of the hill. Likewise, you're going to get your first frost earlier than the guy on the south side of the hill. And you need to count the available days that you have to grow a crop and calculate that in and pencil those dates in that plan that you're drawing out for what you're going to grow how you're going to do it there with a couple of string and you still there Sam we lose you all right well uh, I'd like to I want to tell Sam thanks because uh, I was running late uh, from work this evening and uh, there was no way I was going to make it home in time to load the show and get started. So I uh, I contacted Sam Nassar. He would get started, and he did. He's that's why we that's why we work together. Uh, I can always depend on him to uh, uh, to be there, ready to uh, to help out and save it. Uh, I'm not sure what uh, do uh, is nobody hearing me. I know that Sam just fell off the air. Can you guys hear? Uh, can you hear my audio? Hang fire. Can you hear anything that I'm saying? All right, you do hear me. Okay. 
Well, we're having once again we're having some some grief with blog talk. So I don't know what uh, I don't know what uh, because I didn't even see him uh, listed on the switchboard. I didn't, he was talking, but I didn't see him listed on the switchboard. So I don't know how that was working. <clears throat> and uh, and my audio, the audio that I was getting was really pretty bad. So uh, anyway, thank you, Sam, for. Uh, for getting us started, and I, I just caught the, the last uh, bit of what Sam was talking about. Uh, and when he comes back on, we can uh, we'll integrate that into the show tonight. But I wanted to talk tonight. I like to uh, I like to talk to folks about uh, bartering, and we've talked about this before. But I wanted to make sure that uh, that some of the things that that we discuss on the show that we keep it kind of in rotation so that you will keep thinking about it, and then you'll keep uh, working on your skills in the, in a certain area or working on your supplies or whatever. And I want you to think about bartering. <clears throat> because bartering, uh, and I don't want you to think that it has to be a post-apocalyptic world in order for bartering to be of any use uh, to you because uh, there's a very healthy uh, barter community that uh, runs 24 hours a day. And that's uh, where uh, one of the places is uh, uh, www.u-exchange.com. Uh, there's, uh, you can Google uh, barter uh, groups, barter forums, stuff like that. And you can do a great deal uh, of trading uh, and bartering right now. You don't have to wait till the end of the world. And it's a good way to uh, services or to offer services uh, without having to uh, without having to to get these goods and services in other ways. There may be some things that. Uh, uh, hold on, just one second. Okay. I just like I said, I just walked in the door, and I'm still wearing my heavy outer suit, and I was starting to get toasty. Uh, you may have uh, chickens, and you want to uh, you've got more eggs than you can uh, personally use. You want to do something with them, <laughs> and uh, there may be folks out there who would like to uh, trade some of their uh, goods or services for fresh eggs. Uh, uh, it can be any number of things like that. Uh, you maybe have the uh, skills of being a uh, maybe a barber or a uh, or an electrician or a carpenter. Any number of things, and you would like to trade uh, the ability uh, your, to uh, to offer your skills uh, and services or goods to someone in exchange for uh, some other items. And uh, which is what people—that's how people did it uh, for thousands of years. And and you can do this uh, uh, very easily. Like I said, you can Google some of the uh, for some of the sites uh, where folks meet uh, to offer things for barter for trade, and uh, you can read through those sites. And and see if you might have something that you want to offer or trade. And then also, 
<laughs> there are a good number of things that uh, it wouldn't hurt you to have available in the event that uh, that something did go wrong with the economy, that something did go wrong with uh, with our system. And the reason I say that is because it wouldn't take a, a lot of folks uh, nowadays are using uh, electronics run their their finances. Uh, you know, very seldom do people uh, have big stacks of cash that they keep at home or or deal in a lot of cash. They use they have their money in banks usually, and they uh, either write checks or they uh, they use their debit cards or any number of things such as that. And the problem is, is that if there is, if something does happen, uh, and when I say something, I don't like I, I don't, I don't want folks to automatically jump to the end of the world scenarios. I just want you to think that things do happen. There is a, there's ice storms, there's tornadoes, there's hurricanes, any number of things uh, that could cause you uh, to lose the ability to to have access to your electronic funds. <clears throat> and in those situations, it would be good for you to have something that you could offer as payment uh, for the things that you you might need. And <clears throat> there are a lot of different things that uh, that you could invest in and uh, there are a lot of things that uh, that folks are willing to trade for. I know that right off the top Right off the top of the the list are things like uh, cigarettes, and uh, I'll tell you this: is that you don't have to wait for the, the end of the world for a cigarette to be valuable. Uh, I imagine that uh, was there some kind of a uh, cessation of services thing, like uh, even even for a couple of days. Uh, I imagine folk would be more than willing to uh, to pay almost any price uh, to get their cigarettes. <clears throat> so if you kept uh, uh, and there's any there's several ways to do that too. You can either buy cigarettes that are already uh, already made, you know, cartons of cigarettes, something like that, <clears throat> or you can buy packages of uh, loose tobacco and uh, rolling papers, pipes, things like that, so that uh, people could use the tobacco in those items. And like I said, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that uh, for somebody that smoked, if if they didn't, uh, if they couldn't run down to the store and get any smokes, and you had, I mean, you said, hey, I'll uh, uh, I'll tell you smokes. What are you willing to give for them? I imagine they'd give. Uh, you know, five, ten, fifteen, even twenty dollars for a, a pack of smokes, and it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't have to be the end of the world. It could just be two days after they couldn't get to them. So there is tobacco. There is uh, all manners of food. <coughs> there is. Uh, uh, Alcohol, and uh, alcohol, if you guys listen to 
uh, for a phone when he was on here on the the show recently. Uh, you know that people weren't just they weren't just buying alcohol to drink. Uh, there was any number of things uh, that they were using the alcohol for. Uh, and uh, let me get my my list here. Uh, and also, a lot of the stuff that you buy for barter, uh, you can you can end up using yourself. Uh, let's see, you can end up using yourself if you need the items. Now, there's a uh, I'm having a lot of technical difficulties here tonight. <coughs> here we go. Uh, there's a lot of people that different people that uh, have made up lists. A lot of different people who have uh, different ideas about uh, about what some of the top items are. But I would say, and we've discussed uh, the importance of safe drinking water. Uh, if you have, if you can stock up ways to purify water, water purification. purification Supplies, uh, you know, including the uh, the tablets, the filters, drinking straws, uh, any of the uh, any of these items, uh, they're certainly going to be uh, very valuable in trade. Things like uh, hand tools, uh, saws, uh, machetes, uh, shovels, things like that. Those are all going to be very valuable as well, uh, especially in a major cessation of services event because <clears throat> you're not going to have electricity. Uh, who knows how long the uh, the available gasoline and fuel and stuff will last that would normally run uh, the uh, power tools like chainsaws and stuff like that. <laughs> so having uh, hand tools is certainly uh something that people are going to have to have. Uh, any types of fire-making uh, tools. You guys have heard me harp on this uh, quite a few times. Uh, to make sure that you have uh, things like thick lighters. I've been buying the uh, the lighters in bulk for, for quite a few years now because uh, whenever you if you get to a point where there is uh, uh, a cessation of service event and you have to have power, then you have to have some form of energy. Uh, really, the only way you're going to get a lot of energy is uh, through making a fire. And people people just don't think about the fact that if they, when they need to make a fire, they're going to need something to start it with. And uh, because everybody has a few books of matches laying around, they've got a couple of uh, disposable lighters, things like that. They've got their barbecue lighting lighters, different things like that. But those are not going to last forever. And uh, and if you have a supply of those on hand, then those will certainly uh, be valuable for trading items. Uh, Sam, did you just come back on? Can you hear me? 
anyway, things like uh, disposable lighters, uh, matches uh, are really great barter items. Uh, sanitary supplies. <laughs> those are those are very obviously going to be uh, uh, in need and uh, very quickly. Uh, things like toilet paper, uh, uh, feminine products, diapers, uh, paper towels, things like that. People are going to need those things, and they're going to be they they're going to be more than willing to trade for them. And uh, most of the the paper items will store for a very long time. You know, as long as they're kept uh, you know in a in a, uh, a dry environment, you know, out of the sun and stuff like that. Uh, you can store the paper items for a long time. Uh, now I know it, they take up a lot of room, but I'm telling you that uh, for most people. That, uh, that didn't grow up uh, going camping and stuff like that. I'm sure that uh, they would be willing to 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 pay or trade uh, a good a good amount for a uh, a nice large roll of toilet paper. I've been buying the uh, sanitary napkins for several years too myself because, uh, and I've told you guys this before. I use them. I'm storing them up for possible use for uh, bandages and uh, I'm not I'm not telling you this because I think that you should use uh, bandages like Kotex or uh, I'm not even going to get into the whole discussion on Kotex and tampons for gunshot wounds etc. I'm not going to talk about any of that because uh, I, I don't want to be starting kind of a firestorm uh, when I say bandages I'm talking about <clears throat> If you get some kind of a wound, uh, really a feminine napkin or anything like that is not the best thing to put on it at the beginning, at the very first stage, uh, because you're, what you're trying to do is you're trying to stop the bleeding. You're trying to stop any more blood coming out of the body and get it to start clotting up. And, you know, the feminine products, the, the napkins, are designed to suck up a bunch of uh, fluid and wick it away from the body. So it may not be the best thing to use on an initial wound. There's, there are better things to use. But once you have uh, once you've stopped the bleeding, once you've gotten to a point where the, the wound has been stabilized and you're going to have to uh, provide uh, ongoing care to it, what I'm talking about is cleaning the wound and then rebandaging it, then they turn out to be pretty good for that. Uh, for keeping the wound clean and, and keeping a, a clean bandage on it. They're really good for that. And they're a lot cheaper than most uh, other bandages you can get. I think that, uh, I think for a package of 48, I was paying like uh, less than $3. And, uh, and so I can use those for wounds. I can trade them to folks that are in need of them. And they'll last for a good while. Uh, you know, once I got the package, they come uh, wrapped, you know, in the store package. And then I'll put a an additional uh, wrapping on them. And then they'll go up onto a shelf, to, uh, you know, down in the cellar in a nice dry place. The uh, things like <coughs> disposable razors, uh, 
uh, razor blades. That's something that folks are going to want. They're going to want to. They're going to. People are. They're not going to automatically uh, turn into mountain men and grow beards and stuff like that. People want to uh, keep up their appearances. Want to have clean shaven faces. You can buy the bulk uh, razor blades at uh, you know at Walmart, Sam, stuff like that. You can buy you know fifteen, twenty, thirty of them for just a few bucks. And uh, the same thing with toiletries, toothbrushes, toothpaste, uh, dental floss, shampoo. All of these things are things that, that people are not going to just stop. Uh, taking baths because there's been a cessation of services. They're going to want to keep themselves clean. They're going to want to wash their hair. Uh, Bars of soap, uh, those would certainly be great barter items, bars of soap. And you can get uh, the soap on sale, you know, just good plain soap. You can buy those bars of soap on sale for about uh, 30 cents a bar. So you could buy a uh, hundred or so bars for about thirty bucks. Uh, put those away. Now you got to be careful with the soap. I mean, it's it has a tendency to want to try and dry out. Uh, uh, so it, it needs to be uh, usually it'll come like in a plain cardboard box. It needs to be kept inside of a uh, like some type of plastic to keep it from from drying out or from soaking up water, right? So it's soaking up moisture. But uh, people want toothbrushes. They want a toothbrush. They want to brush their teeth. Uh, I, I certainly, I always save, uh, anytime I go to a hotel, uh, they've already charged me for the toothpaste and soap and stuff that's in there. I always take that with me, and, and it goes into my overnight kit, and, and what's left goes into uh, my barter bag, my barter gear. Uh, the... Uh, any type of, of stuff like that is going to be in, in high demand. Any type of fuel, uh, if you've got gasoline, diesel, propane, kerosene, any of any type of fuel is going to be very high on the list for uh, for barter items. I mean, people are going to want uh, people are going to they're going to want uh, they're going to have to have fuel for to run things like, uh, well, you've got their vehicles, you've got uh, chainsaws, uh, you've got kerosene or white gas for uh, uh, for Coleman lanterns. Uh, I've got Ed. Ed wants to, uh, to, to talk about trading and bartering as well. Ed, what do you got? Hey, uh, Scott. Uh, how are you doing? Doing all right. How uh, about yourself? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. It's uh, yeah. This, this is a this is a great topic that I, I've spent uh, an inordinate amount of time thinking about over the past several years. So I thought I'd chime in and help you out here. Um, it, it's uh, I, I've come to a basic decision that you know if worrying about you know things after the world kind of goes crazy, that yeah, I don't think that we want to be trading in vices. Um, People might kill you for, for you know, if they can't get that cigarette, or in the, and they know you have some, or you know, right, alcohol, right. or or the other things like that. That's uh, uh, so. I, 
I, I know a lot of a lot of preppers are out there thinking about you know trade items and what to have after the fact, but you know, I, I I just wanted to lead off with I, I stay away personally from anything that's a vice because it's it's going to get the totally the wrong kind of people coming around to your place going he has alcohol he has cigarettes he has he has a party in his house and we just need to get it out. I know I, I was letting you, you, you jump mean, in. <laughs> You mean well? I understand what you're saying. I've heard people. Uh, I've heard people voice some of the same concerns stuff. <laughs> but uh, uh, but still, like uh, I don't know if you uh, were, were listening to the show when we had uh, Furful on, and uh, he was talking about that uh, uh, that people, a lot of people, were uh, uh, making. They were distilling alcohol. And selling it, mm-hmm. and he said that uh, he said that a lot of folks, he goes, the majority of folks weren't drinking it; uh, they were using it to clean with. So they were burning it in, uh, uh, you know, in the stoves and stuff like that. Now, uh, I, I, I and I also just understand that there's a, a little bit of a uh, of danger in uh, in in things like uh, you know people wanting to take your your cigarettes or stuff like that, but you just have to use your common sense. You know, you have to use uh, common sense and, and understand that uh, you know that some of these things are uh, people would people would probably uh, uh, rob you for just about anything. You know, in a in a bad situation. So, uh, and that's a whole other that's a whole other subject uh, as far as how to uh, to go about. Uh, how to go about the actual barter meeting? You know how to how to how to do it in a secure fashion, stuff like that. But yeah, well, absolutely. You want you want to get away from your house. You you don't want to do the barter. You know where you are. You want to have that that place where everybody meets that the barter happens uh, to to certainly uh, achieve some level of security. Uh, but I also don't think that the guys that, that anybody's going to mark you as a target if they're if you're known as the toothbrush cut, you know, if, if they're probably going to go, yeah, we don't need to kill them for the toothbrushes. Um, and and I think that that one that you were talking about earlier is an absolutely fantastic item. That's something that everybody needs to have. Um, you know, and so as you were just talking about, it's, it's you know, there are a lot of obvious. Well, things everybody's going to want soap. They want to stay clean. They want to. They want to borrow soap. They want to wash their hands before they eat. They want to. They want to find some place where they can, uh, you know, mix up some, get some soap, or pour a bucket of water over their head, or you know, whatever it is, and and take mm-hmm. a bath and get clean. Uh, there's also uh, any of the uh, any of the stuff like, uh, and I, I probably know people that would uh, probably try and kill you for coffee, but coffee <laughs> and tea. You know, are going to be two things that people are going to want. They're going to want the things that that they have that they normally have in a normal life. They want it, they want as many of the things that they can they they can continue on uh, in a normal life. And the coffee is going to be one of those. Now, probably uh, it might be good to to have a you know a good amount of the instant coffee. That way, people don't have to figure out some way to to perk it up. Uh, well, and, and, and with and coffee as well, 
and with coffee, one of the one of the critical items there is that it's it helps keep people away. Coffee might actually be too valuable to trade because your group might need it for the night watchman because you don't have enough people to you know have a, have good perimeter security. So that coffee might just be that critical thing that helps those guys stay up at night. Or, and I'm not right. sexist by saying guys, it's, you know, whoever's manning the night watch. Right. So well, you, you certainly want to have some for yourself. Uh, and then, uh, then things like, uh, uh, in that same vein, uh, is detergents. Uh, things like uh, uh, just soap that you would use to wash your clothes because people are still going to have to have clean clothes. Uh, the only way you're going to get clean clothes is you're going to have to wash them. You're going to have to get a bucket, put some soap, uh, some water in the bucket and some soap and, uh, and, and, and wash it by hand, get the dirt out of it. And then, uh, so any type of, uh, uh, like washing soap, uh, is going to be, uh, you know, in demand. Now there's, there's considerations when you have washing soap and stuff like that, it's going to have to be kept very dry uh, you may need to take it out of whatever cardboard box it's in and, and repackage it into some other containers uh, to make it uh, uh, to, to keep it from turning into you know chunks of rock and stuff like that. That's not a bad idea because uh, you, you probably people you, you're not going to want to sell somebody a 40 pounds uh, sack of soap anyway. That's how you should be buying it. You should buy some bulk soap. Then repackage it into little one-pound bags and stuff like that, so that you can you can make an easy trade with a small amount, uh, and it will stay dry and and uh, and usable. Uh, things like uh, batteries, uh, rechargeable batteries, uh, the solar battery charging systems, stuff like that. You can start to get those fairly inexpensively now, and. Uh, I told you guys about my my system for some of the batteries is I bought the the Walmart uh yard lights. And uh, you can get some of those for like ninety seven cents or uh you can get some of the even more the the, the better ones for like a and those will recharge uh double A's, uh triple A's, things like that. Uh, even some of them will even use C batteries and they'll recharge the batteries and they will produce light. Uh, I think that, uh, yeah. and I've got quite a few of those, the the yard lights, because that's a great way for somebody to 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 have at least a minimal amount of light. You can say, look, I, you can go down there, you can buy those uh, uh, several times during the year. Walmart puts them on sale, ninety something cents, ninety seven cents for these lights. Now they're not big bright lights, but in a completely dark room, you could put one up on the on the dinner table, and you could actually you could figure out. How what you were eating, you could get the food into your mouth, uh, and it would recharge during the day. And uh, I've had some that have been uh, sitting out in the field for two or three years, and they're still running. So uh, uh, another uh, item like tariff board. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say another item just like that that you might not think of as a, an ordinary kind of barter item or trade item, but something that you're going to want to have lots of backups anyway for is, is like water filtration. And, you know, I, I've really become a, a big fan of this company called Sawyer, which had these, these little filters called Sawyer minis that you can now fit in line for, for like your camelback. 
uh, that you just dump water in there and then the filter's in line, you just suck it through the filter and and it, it's uh, a 0.2 micron filter. Uh, and it's good for 100,000 gallons of water. I mean, that's enough water for a family for more than a year, for most families. So, I mean, it, and they're right. 20 bucks right. a piece. So it, it, that makes a great item to have just a whole bunch of spare capacity running around. And they make a slightly larger one that's, I think it's 30 bucks instead of 20 bucks, uh, that is good for a million gallons. It's a It's a fantastic product if you haven't heard of it before. But go ahead. I'm sorry, I've right. tried to inject that item for you. No, that's great, and that—that's how. That's—I I don't know if you heard the beginning, but that's how we. Uh, I started off the barter thing was with uh, water purification supplies. Uh, I missed the beginning. Uh, no, no, that's okay. I'm just saying that that's—that was my my number one start because you guys know that I'm always harping on you about making sure that you have clean water to drink. You can't afford to drink any water that could possibly contaminate it and that and that means any water that you didn't personally uh purify. That all water should be suspect until you personally purify it or it's bottled, something like that. So water purification supplies are a big deal, including uh you know the uh, uh the tablets, uh stuff like that. Uh so is somebody Ed? Are you are you digging through your garage right now? Uh, I just got some water. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I went into my refrigerator. I, I I didn't realize it would be that loud. Sorry. Uh, so any type of water purification stuff you need for yourself, but it's not going to hurt you uh, to have plenty extra because that's something that everybody is going to need. Everybody's going to need that. They're going to need the uh, the tablets. The uh, uh, the uh, and I told you guys before too about buying the uh, chlorine in bulk from the pool supply stores and stuff like that. You can do the same thing as you're doing with the uh, with the powdered uh, soap, the washing soap. You can buy uh, you know a thirty forty gallon uh, uh, barrel of the chlorine and then you can uh, you know bag it in individual uh, like little one pound bags or something like that so that people can uh, add chlorine to their water to their drinking water. Uh, things like uh, paracord and string, uh, those are always going to be in demand. Uh, you know, good nylon cord, paracord, good uh, string, heck, even stuff like kite string and fishing string, stuff like that. Any types of uh, cordage uh, is something that people are always going to need. Uh, any type of uh, plastic sheeting, plastic bags. Uh, Ziplocs, uh, garbage bags, things like that, because they're not going to be using them so much for garbage as they are to keep things dry and uh, and for protection. Well, uh, things and, like uh, um, and and with that, with the, like seven mil plastics, uh, you can you can use them, especially the the dark, you know, the black ones. Uh, you can use that for you know covering up your windows for you know light leakage protection. I mean, that that right. stuff is great, uh, fantastic for that purpose, and you know it, it's something that most people don't think about because you know if something happens and you're the only house in the neighborhood with lights, uh, you, you probably want to have that covered up. Right, and Go you, ahead, sorry. You, you don't want uh, you don't want to, uh, it'd be better if you uh, 
if people didn't see you moving around or they didn't see lights and stuff like that in certain cases, it's probably probably going to be better, you know, for your security. Uh, any type of uh, fishing supplies, because that's something that uh, that people are going to have to relearn to do, and that is uh, uh, to be able to harvest uh, fishes from the streams and uh, and lakes and rivers and stuff. <laughs> so having a uh, and this is another thing you can go to Walmart uh, or Academy and stuff like that. You can buy these uh, these bulk packages of hooks and sinkers and stuff like that. And then you know, in your spare time, you can uh, you can assemble. You know, you can get for ten bucks, you can get hooks and sinkers and cords and stuff. And uh, you can assemble uh, fifteen, twenty uh, individual packages so that. Uh, all that someone has to do is cut themselves a branch. You can uh, uh, they can make themselves a uh, fishing pole. So that will be a portable uh, item. We uh, find some knives, uh, pocket knives, uh, kitchen knives, uh, uh, box cutters, uh, uh, hunting knives. Any types of knives are going to be very valuable because people are going to need them for, for doing everyday work. A lot of stuff that they that they normally wouldn't be doing themselves, they're going to have to be doing, and having a pocket knife is, is going to be uh, an important part of their daily dress. Uh, <clears throat> condiments and spices. Uh, having Being able to put salt and pepper on your food it's something most people take for granted that you always have salt and pepper sitting on the table. Well, it's it's something that people need. They need some type of seasoning for a lot of the food, and uh, and certainly uh, having some salt to add to the food is not just a uh, a culinary requirement. You know, if you uh, if you're going to be doing a lot of work uh, outside, out in the sun, you're sweating, you're going to need to replace some of those salts in your body. So, and, and and because you're not going to be going to the to the stores or the restaurants where you buy the food that is heavily salted, uh, you're going to be needing to put some of those salts back into your body. And you can get uh, you can get salt really inexpensively on sale and stuff at Walmart too. I I've bought uh, hundreds of the. Uh, I don't know if it's three pounds. I think it's three pounds. Those little three-pound cardboard uh, cylinders, they're 33 cents a piece, and uh, you can buy a, a, a good number of those and store them. You need to keep those somewhat dry, too. But with salt, even if it got some moisture in it and it turned into a rock uh, of solid salt, it's still usable. It doesn't It doesn't change the, uh, uh, the ability for you to use the salt. You just have to break it up or, you know, scratch it off to use it. But uh, well, salt, pepper, anything like that. And for a longer okay, term, ahead, um, yeah, for, for a longer term um, event, a lot of people aren't considering the amount of salt that they would possibly need. Um, I buy my salt in 80-pound bags. I have 480 pounds in my basement right at this moment. Now, I happen to right. use some of it for, win- for winter purposes, too, you know, when I get snowed in, but um, it is when you think about if you had to start curing your meat, I mean, um, and salt curing is about the easiest curing that you could do. 
but you need a tremendous amount of salt whenever you start thinking about, you know, preserving your meat that way. Um, so, you know, getting one of my goals is to get to over a thousand pounds of salt. It's, you know, it, it's a long-term goal, but those 80 pound bags, they're less than $20 a piece. So they don't cost but, the next, any, well, d- don't buy them when the snow's on the ground because then they're going to be really expensive. But, you know, that's the way to go uh, for if you want to get a lot of salt quickly. Uh, and also just to speak about peppercorns for a moment, um, the whole peppercorns, most people don't realize that those store practically forever. Um, you don't have to use oxygen absorbers. You don't have to put them in buckets. You you don't have to do anything to them other than just, you know, put them in a cool, dry place, and they'll stay for about 30 years just the way they are. And you grind right. them up, they'll taste, they'll taste like pepper. So. You know, you, you can. Uh, there's a there's a there's a company up in Toledo uh, that that I get mine from, um, and it's called I think bulk bulkfoods.com, and it's uh, you can buy five pound bags of, of just whole peppercorns. It's a great inexpensive way of getting them compared to all the other options. Sorry, go right. ahead, Scott. Right, no, that's uh, that's that's exactly what you should do. You should be buying the. Uh, the things for yourself and for the things that you plan on bartering, you're buying enough for yourself and then some extra for, for other stuff. You should always be buying this stuff in bulk and uh, and getting a better deal on it. <clears throat> and spices are one of those things that, uh, you know, people they, people want it. They they're gonna want uh, they're gonna want some salt on those squirrels uh, on that uh, on the fish. <laughs> On uh, on any of the stuff that they're cooking, they're gonna want some salt on it because uh, you know usually if you buy stuff, uh, even canned stuff, they've already added a, a good deal of salt to it. All the restaurants do, uh, so you don't have to worry if you're just going day to day. But if you once you're once you're on a system where you're preparing all of your own food from scratch, then uh, then you're gonna want some some spices for it. So make sure that you have thought about that for yourself, but then also uh, that you've thought about being able to trade that to, you know, to certain folks or to, or to give it uh, in trade to your neighbors or to, or to just give it to your neighbors, you know, things like that. And don't forget about the most important spice, which is probably sugar. Yeah. We we all, we all need sugar. Yep. Yep, and people uh, people don't think about that uh, a lot either. But if you go without uh, if you go without uh, any kind of sugar for a good while, uh, you you will miss it. And uh, that's also why one of the things that uh, that folks recommend, and I've got a good supply of this too, is hard candy. Because uh, if you've got some hard candy, uh, if you can just put like a little piece of uh, hard sugar candy in your mouth, then that goes a really long way to satisfying you and your body's need uh, for sugar. Uh, it really does make a big deal. I know that uh, uh, even when I was when I was overseas uh, and uh, somebody would get, uh, you know, a box of hard candy or something in the mail and, uh, you know, everybody wanted some of it. I mean, everybody wanted uh, some some of the candy. And uh, you're going to want some, and people are going to be willing to trade you stuff for the hard candy. I mentioned the fishing supplies, uh, the 
along with the the seeds that you need for your own uh, food needs, the stuff that you're going to plant and you're going to grow and harvest and stuff, you need to make sure that you have uh, enough that you can barter uh, with the by trading some of the seeds. Uh, being able to grow your own food isn't just a uh, a, a good thing uh, in a major uh, cessation of services event. It is one of the most important things because what you'll be trying to do is trying to to uh, close the gap between the amount of food that you have saved, uh, ready to eat food, that you have saved uh, and make sure that that amount of food will take you up to the point where you can start harvesting food from your garden. So uh, the seeds are a must-have for you, and they're also a a very important uh, bartering item. And uh, you can do this by buying seeds in bulk. And there are plenty of places that will sell you bulk seeds. Uh, matter of fact, there is a, a, I think there is even a website called BulkSeeds.com. Uh, one of the guests that we have on here, we're going to have her on in the, the next week or two, Lucinda Bailey, <coughs> has uh, a seed company. And uh, she sells uh, bulk heirloom seeds. So having enough seeds for you to meet your own family's needs uh, is uh, imperative. And then having enough that you can also, without cutting into your seeds, uh, the seeds that you need to sustain yourself and your family, uh, having enough that you can uh, barter some, that uh, if you have neighbors and stuff, that you can give them some. I'm sure if your neighbors, I'm sure your neighbors will, will have something they can trade you for it. Even if they don't, uh, you need to. These are people that uh, that hopefully that uh, when the lights come back on, they're still going to be alive. You're still going to be alive, and they're going to remember the things, the way the way that everybody acted when there was trouble. And you need to make sure that you've got enough that you can take care of yourself and you can uh, supply your neighbors with some seeds because if you if they if you can get them to grow their food, they're not, they're not going to be coming and asking for your food. So make sure that you've got enough seeds that uh, you can take care of yourself and that you can use as barter items. They're going to be a very uh, they're going to be a high up on the on the list uh, uh, for for barter items. Uh, the the things like uh, first aid stuff. Bandages, band-aids, uh, and then uh, antibiotics, uh, even things as simple as aspirin. You know, I bought a lot of aspirin, just the plain uh, aspirin. I bought the coated kind because I feel like it, the coating on it uh, also helps it from breaking down, you know, going getting flaky and stuff like that. Uh but I bought those in the uh, 500 and 1,000 uh, tablet packages when they're on sale at Walmart. And 
you know anything about the 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 history of uh of diseases and illnesses uh around the world uh before we got to modern medicine then you'll know that uh that a huge portion of the folks that died or boiled their brains into soup did so because they got fevers that they couldn't control and uh these are these are we're talking about millions of folks who died because they they didn't have a couple of aspirin they could take to thin their blood and help to get their temperature keep their temperature in check. Uh things like aspirin are gonna be very important. Aspirin, ibuprofen, uh the uh allergy medications, stuff like that. People people are still gonna to have to have those. They're still gonna to have to have these things. Uh, for headaches and for fevers, uh, and you can buy them in bulk, and then you can, uh, you know, separate, uh, you know, fifteen, twenty, thirty, and uh, uh, into some uh, other packages or something. You can use those for yourself and your family, but also as barter items. People are going to have to have medicine. Uh, and some people are absolutely going to require sunscreen. Um, you know, thinking of, of items that are of uh, almost medical uses. Um, I know that I, you know, I have red hair, so um, I, I will always and forever be addicted to sunscreen no matter what. Uh, it wouldn't matter if the end of the world happened. I, I don't have enough long shirts to last me, uh, you know, <laughs> forever. So, well, I mean, you yeah, and it's not just a, it's not just a, uh, a luxury. Uh, when you start thinking about uh, things like uh, uh, cessation of services events, where where it's difficult to uh, to get medical assistance, where it's difficult to get into to see a doctor or to get to a hospital if you need it, what that means is that you have to make sure that you're doing everything possible to never end up in in any way ever needing uh, medical. Assistance. Now, obviously, that's not going to happen. You're going to end up having to do, you're going to need something. But you have to start thinking a little bit differently. Uh, even things like a sunburn. You get a sunburn and you get one bad enough, I'm, and lots of people have had these sunburns where you get, uh, uh, you get blistering, you get peeling, uh, you get a fever. Uh, you get in. You can get an infection from that blistering. These are things that uh, that in a uh, pre-cessation of services uh, society you don't have to worry about because you can go to the doctor if you need to. Uh, but when you can't, you got to make sure that you don't do those things. That you're being careful with your hands. That when you're working, uh, you're working outside or something like that. That you're wearing gloves. You're trying to keep from getting that little nip on your finger, a little cut on your hand that is going to turn into something that needs antibiotics and that will eventually kill you because you don't have uh, access to medical treatment. Well, how many of us as adults have not not updated our tetanus shots? Talking on those lines. I know know a lot of people that, you know, it's, oh, I got them as a kid and, you know, those need to be renewed every ten years. Just you know, yeah, sort of a reminder to you to, to, yeah, to stay current. 
on any shots that you have. Uh, I know there was a television show. I I thought it was a fairly decent one. Uh, I mean, it was it was full of holes and stuff, but it was still a fairly decent attempt on one of the either Discovery or History Channel, something like that, about uh, like uh, the you know the uh, of some major association of services event, and you know it covered the the folks uh, uh, trying to bug in to their place and and let the, the the waves of folks pass and stuff, and they went through this long ordeal of uh, even getting out of the city and and almost starving to death and almost uh, dying of uh, dehydration and on and on and they finally made it to uh, some little commune. And uh, and they were finally happy. They were taken care of. People were working, you know, growing their own food and stuff like that. Everything was great, except that the father got a, a little tiny nick on his finger while he was gardening, and uh, got an infection from it and it killed him. So, I mean, that's that's just the way things happen. So you got to make sure that uh, that you don't get sunburns, that you don't get cuts. Uh, stuff like that, that you have uh, some aspirin, that you have uh, Band-Aids, if you get a cut or a nick on your finger, that you wash it and you put uh, uh, some type of ointment on it and then put a Band-Aid on it because you want to try and keep your, uh, you want to keep your, yourself healthy. Uh, things like uh, sewing kits, uh, thread, needles, uh, things that you can use to to mend your uh, your clothing. Uh, those are going to be very valuable uh, because <clears throat> you're not going to be able to to just go and buy uh, uh, new clothes and uh, 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 or take them to somewhere to be repaired and stuff like that. You're gonna, you're going to need to uh, mend the clothes yourself. So, being able to uh, to have some uh, uh, thread and sewing needles to sew up a uh, you know a tear in your shirt to darn your socks, etc., stuff like that, are things that folks are going to need, and they're things that folks are going to be willing to barter for. You know, needles, threads, uh, uh, anything that. Anything that uh, even uh, even things that are not really essential for you to live uh, are going to be in high demand. Uh, things like uh, uh, decks of cards, uh, uh, paperback books, uh, crossword puzzles, uh, Sudoku books, things like that. Things that things that can get people to take their minds off what's going on are very important too. Uh, you need something. Uh, you need a deck of cards so you can sit down. You can you can play some spades or you can play some poker or uh, something so that you can take your mind off of, uh, of the stressful things and relax. Uh, you know, a paperback book that you can read and you can... Uh, uh, you can have, you can feel some semblance of normalcy. Uh, 
things well, like we're that are. We're, we're all going to have a yeah. lot of more spare time on our hands. I mean, we're going to be very busy doing a lot of things, but we're also, I mean, if the electricity goes down, all of our electronic gadgets are eventually going to dry up. And, you know, what are we going to do? And you need something to occupy your time and your mind to keep you, you know, sane. So, right. you know, books. You're not going to be able to uh, switch on uh, the TV and, uh, and watch uh, forensic files. You're not going to be able to... Uh, to play any of the electronic games like you were talking about. Uh, you're not going to be able to turn on uh, VH1 and listen to music. So things like, things that can uh, can help you relax because uh, stress is one of the main killers in our world even today. And you have to have some way that you can combat stress. You can't live your life uh, even in a a zombie-filled, post-apocalyptic world, if all you do is think uh, about uh, the things that can kill you, then have no fears. That in itself will kill you. Uh, You'll need to have some way that you can relax. You can relax with your friends. You can play some cards. You can read a book. Uh, You can do a crossword puzzle. Any of that stuff, uh, anything that can help you to bleed off some of the stress that you may be feeling uh, to provide some way to occupy your leisure time so that you're not just sitting there and either bemoaning your fate or stressing about things. These are all going to be very valuable items uh, for you to have and to trade, and I'm sure there will be a very brisk business that will pop up in uh, uh, in libraries and, and stuff like that, uh, you know, in trading book trading uh, folks because uh, you won't be able to go and just buy a novel. You won't be able to download it to your uh, electronic device and read it. You're going to have to have an actual physical copy of uh, whatever it is. And uh, and I'm sure that folks are going to be more than willing to uh, to trade you something for that. Uh, one of the most obvious things, of course, is food. Uh but, uh, you know, food is always a touchy thing uh, to be trading. Uh, certainly you can put together some some types of trade items in food. Uh, you can uh, repackage some of, the, uh, some of the rice that you have in the smaller containers, uh, some of the grains and stuff, some of the beans, different things like that, which you can repackage into barterable amounts. Uh, if you have large quantities of stuff like that, then uh, make sure that people uh, that are coming to barter, make sure that they're bringing their own uh, items to carry it away in. You know, you can't, uh, you don't want to be giving away all of your uh, boxes and and barrels and bins and bags. Uh, make sure that people are bringing their own uh, items to carry away the, uh, the stuff that you're, uh, the, uh, uh, bulk foods that you're you're processing out uh and uh and certainly like Ed was talking about earlier uh I think that there's there there are all different types of situations and we're not going to go into a whole bunch of the uh of the secure things so we're mainly just talking about bartering uh tonight but uh I would caution folks that if you have 
Scout, are you there? Or did I disconnect? Well, Scout got cut off the air here. Oh, okay. Well, um, I, I don't know what uh, Scout was going to mention there, but I, I guess I can continue on some, some barter items while uh, Scout reappears. Press um, on. Press on. Certainly will. Uh, uh, thank you, Sam. Uh I don't know, like I said, I don't know what Scout was going to say, but I have a suspicion that he might have been wanting to talk about ammunition and, and bartering of ammunition and where you might want not want to give the guy that the ammunition that they need to shoot you. So I, I don't consider ammunition a, a barter item at all. Uh, if that wasn't what Scout was going to talk about, hopefully he'll tell us all about it here really, really soon. Um, I think, uh, personally, that there's going to be a renaissance in board games. Uh, he was talking about books and playing cards, and those are fantastic. But um, I, I have a whole bunch of board games, you know, that I enjoyed as a, as a kid. And I, I think that they're going to really, really be a big item uh, if we ever experience it uh, using uh, Scout's quote or that uh, cessation of... Uh, what was it? Cessation of something. Service. Cessation of services. services. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you are, Scout. So you you can go ahead and continue. Sorry, I, I was picked in up while you were you disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just saying that uh, uh, I don't know exactly how when I got cut off, but I was saying that uh, what you were saying earlier about uh, uh, security and stuff like that. That that is something you want to think about. I said we're, we, I don't want to go into that uh, really tonight because we're we're mainly just talking about the barter items. But I would tell folks that uh, you know if you've got if somebody's coming over to uh, to get some uh, some rice or beans or something like that, and it's not your neighbors, it's not you know it's it's somebody else, then you, you certainly don't want to. Uh, be scooping the rice that you're giving to them out of a 50-pound sack uh, that's leaning up against the other 10 50-pound sacks, uh, so that they're they're sitting there looking at it, thinking about uh, about you there you having it and them not having it. So that's uh, that's all I would uh, that's all I would say about that. But uh, you know there. And while you were gone, Scout, one one thing that I mentioned, because I wasn't sure which direction you were going to go with that, and I, I, I liked the direction you went with that, but I mentioned also one of one of my items that isn't a vice, that is just not an item that I consider for barter or trade at all, is ammunition. And, there, and the reason I said uh, that is because you don't want to trade the guy the bullets they need, you know, the, the rounds that they need in order to, you know, kill you and take your stuff, so... Uh, Ammunition is just completely off the books for me Unless I know the person well Right, I was going to say You can't say it's just completely off the books Because it it can't be But you can certainly Pick and choose who you're going to barter with For for anything But, uh, you know, your neighbor Is going to need He's going to need, you know 10, 15 rounds of uh, of 30-30 Or uh, 
you know, or, or some other group that you're aligned with, maybe they need uh, some ammunition. And if you have uh, the ability to trade them, then uh, and you can get something worthwhile uh, that you really need for it, and you can uh, accept the loss of the amount that you're going to be uh, that you'll be trading, and you trust the folks and stuff. Certainly, you can use uh, ammunition or even firearms, uh, you know, as a trade. But you do have to be uh, you do have to be cautious in it. You can't just uh, you can't just uh, you know put a sign out that says uh, you know we've got uh, firearms and ammunition here uh, and we'll trade you for them because uh, you do uh, you do open yourself up to some dangerous uh, possibilities that way. Uh, the uh, 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 let's see. I talked about plastics too, and we talked about the black plastic and stuff like that. But uh, certainly, any types of uh, any types of bulk rolls of uh, heavy plastic sheeting uh, that's always going to be good uh, for uh, you know to for trade items. Uh, uh, any type of uh, uh, like small battery uh, operated portable radios and stuff like that. As long as there is uh, some type of a some type of uh, organizations, individuals, whatever. As long as there's somebody that is using the airwaves to disseminate information, people are going to want to hear it, and they would certainly uh, be willing to trade. Uh, depending on what the situation is, even. Uh, great deals of uh, of goods in order for them to have some way to stay connected with what's going on out in the world. So, uh, so the uh, inexpensive portable radios. Just to mention another item on that. I mean, it, it isn't all that expensive or difficult, and I'm sure that the FCC will just love me saying this. It isn't hard to build an AM transmitter. So I mean, even if even if you as a group you're recovering from whatever happened to the world, and you're going, oh, I wish there was a way to communicate with people, and and as long as you have a, a you know reliable power, you can you can build an AM transmitter with with stuff that most people have probably lying around. So uh, you could have a radio, you could build a radio station that could reach a few miles without much effort. So, but that's something that most people don't think about. Um, you know, I, I'm a ham operator as, as well as a, another one of my many hobbies. And, you know, right. you through that, you learn just enough that, you know, if you wanted to go about building that AM transmitter, you could. Um, it, it's all there in most of the books that for all the stuff that you have to study to get licensed. Although most of that isn't, you know, tested until you get up to the, you know, high extra license. So. But go ahead, Sam. Right. Or uh, Scout. Uh, certainly, uh, uh, that's certainly uh, something that you would want to consider and uh, could be a great way of getting information out, uh, you know, to uh, to folks and stuff like that. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, the... The really uh, the small rudimentary uh, in the military we call them P38s, uh, and these are some, these are small enough that uh, I actually had one on my dog chains. It's 
smaller than the size of one of my dog tags. And uh, uh, because there there will be canned goods floating around for uh, for quite a while, and unless you can unless you got some way of getting that can open, it's going to be hard to get the contents out of it. Now, you can certainly chop it open with a machete, or you know, bang a hole in it uh, with a knife or something. But uh, if you have, and you can buy these now in bulk too; they're not that expensive at all. The uh, uh, the the P38 style can openers. It's just a little tiny piece of metal that uh, that folds open, and you can very quickly and cleanly open a can with it. <clears throat> Things like that are going to be in uh, in demand. So uh, you can use your common sense uh, on a lot of this, and just think of the things. What would I need? What are the things that I would need? What would be the things that if I if I didn't have them? I'd be willing to trade something for them. I'd be willing to trade some of my food or, uh, you know, whatever. What are the things that that you might need that you'd be willing to trade for? And that's what other people are going to trade for. So just spend a little bit of time uh, thinking about about this because almost everything that I'm that I've mentioned so far are things that uh, that you don't need, there there doesn't have to be any type of a of any of it for you to use uh the that bulk salt salt that I was telling you that I got I that's what I use to fill the salt containers up with uh the uh uh the bulk toilet paper and stuff like that I that's what we use in the house uh I just keep resupply I just keep re uh, restocking it uh, these are stuff that you're going to use uh, no matter if if anything happens or doesn't happen. It's always going to be cheaper to buy stuff in bulk. So why wouldn't you do that? And why wouldn't you be thinking about, uh, depending on how much room you have to store stuff, of course, but why wouldn't you be thinking about uh, about buying the stuff in bulk, using uh, the stuff yourself, and then having enough that uh, you could trade on some of these items? So make sure that you're thinking about that, and that uh, and that you're working on. Obviously, first thing is making sure that uh, you're continuously working on trying to get yourself in a position where you can weather uh, a cessation of services event for a week, and then a month, and then uh, two months, and keep pushing it up. And that you can also uh, be thinking about the things that that you can use uh, instead of any type of currency. I think that uh, I think you guys, if you remember when uh, when Fur Fall and we had another guest or two that's been on the show that uh, that mentioned that uh, whenever the grid went down there and uh, Argentina, uh, people weren't whipping out uh, gold coins and stuff like that uh, to to use to buy the things that they need. Matter of fact, uh, I would hes- I would certainly say that I would think for me, uh, I would think that Ed that this would that would be 
a uh, hundred times worse than than even uh, the ammunition and guns and stuff like that is uh, uh, is get out of there. Is whipping out a a piece of gold to buy something with, uh, even if you even if you had taken uh, just a small part of it, like you took a coin and and you uh, you chopped it up or cut it up, or you uh, took a uh, a bracelet, a gold bracelet, and uh, and you had taken it apart and you were just using one of the links doesn't matter because you start showing that gold and people are going to know that where that one link was, there's there's probably a bunch gold of other chain. links to go with it. Yep. There's probably the rest yep. of that coin is somewhere. So I'd be very hesitant about whipping out gold in almost, in most situations. Now, it certainly has places it could be used. I mean, if you had to do something like uh, ransom uh, uh, a member back or something, uh, and they wanted a large amount of whatever, you know, you, you wouldn't, uh, you might be able to do use that. Or if you needed to make a purchase from another group and you wanted some type of a, a large quantity of something, you could probably use that. I, I'd just be very, very careful about ever uh, whipping out precious metals in any form other than, uh, you know, the pre-64 dimes and quarters and stuff like that, which I think you could get away with uh, a lot easier than any type of gold or anything like that. So I'd be very careful about that. And back in the 19th Uh, century, uh, back in the 19th century, your your average good milk cow, at least on the East Coast, um, was about $20, which worked out to nearly an ounce of gold. So, I mean, right. There are certain items, you know, certain big purchases where gold might make sense, but that's the reason why we always had to buy metallic standard of you know gold and silver because silver is what you use for your everyday purchases. Uh, I personally, if, if if people want to stock up, up on precious metals at all, um, I usually steer them towards silver because you know it's a it's a dual 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 fold reason. One is it's undervalued now, so. Um, it's more likely to go up in the future and they're likely to make money from it. So, you know, it, you know, no lose there. It's, it's not likely to go down much in relation to gold and B, if anything does happen, you know, you're more likely to use that silver dime to buy a loaf of bread than you are, you know, just about anything else. Right. And I know that they make their, 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 they've got the, the really small, tiny, thin gold coins and stuff like that. But, I just figure if you're going to do something like that, go ahead and get invest in the uh, like the silver dollars and stuff like that. Just, people will be they're they're uh, it's much easier to uh, to get away with trading a silver dollar I think than showing anybody gold. Anybody sees gold and and it's just dangerous. So uh, well, and on like silver, I said, I would, I would, your best bet is to stay really small with, you know, the, with just some some dimes. Um, you know, get some old uh, coin, old U.S. coinage before 1964, 1954 and earlier. It was all 90% silver. You get some some dimes, and then you mix in you know, a, a few quarters with that, and suddenly you can make change for any amount um, from 25 cents and up in nickel increments, just as long as you have some dimes and nickels. 
Uh, now that doesn't help you out if you have to spend five cents or fifteen cents, but you know it, it's it at least gets you most of the way there. So that's the reason you know dimes, dimes and quarters are all you really need on on silver. Um, even a silver dollar is a heck of a lot of purchasing power. That's right. Well, all right. Well, listen. I want to thank uh, I want to thank everybody that's listening tonight. Uh, thank you, Ed, for for calling in and and contributing to the show. So I want to thank Sam for uh, uh, for jumping in and helping because uh, I, there was no way I was going to be able to get back here and get uh, and get the show put up in time. So thanks, Sam, for. Uh, for jumping in. All right, guys, uh, I think that's going to do it for this evening. Uh, uh, this next Thursday, 7 p.m. Central. Uh, until then, God bless and, uh, and keep you all. <laughs>